Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Coco and Delts podcast. We're real people doing real reviews. We do Disney Plus, we do Netflix, we do HBO Max, we do Amazon Prime Video. We do it all because we are here for you. I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dolls. And what are we talking about this week, not Dolls, in the podcast? So today, speaking of Netflix, we're talking about Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal. Dun-dun. Which, if you're listening to this in real time, which, why wouldn't you be? I say that every time. And no one does, actually. <laughs> it's uh, it's Wednesday, and this was released today. It's a one-hour and 40-minute a documentary about the college admission scandal. That what? I know. It's got a pretty straightforward name. It's the uh, admission scandal that happened in the last couple years. A man named Rick Singer was facilitating lots of well-to-do families uh, getting admissions for their kids into schools like USC, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, uh, basically taking bribes and making donations Mm -hmm. to these schools, pretending like their kids were... Qualified? Well, uh, they were (laughs) allegedly... They were made out to be athletes on not blue chip teams. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they weren't faked as football players or basketball players, but they were like members of the crew team or, you know, members of rowing or whatever. ping pong team. Right, water polo, right? Ping pong, like in Forrest Gump, right? Like the high lie team. (laughs) So uh, 50 people nationwide, I believe, were indicted and charged in this, including Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman. And yeah, uh, so it's an hour and 40 minutes. Like I said, they did a lot of reenactments Mm -hmm. and Matthew Modine Mm -hmm. played Rick Singer. And as I said, while you were watching this, Matthew Modine is a very attractive man and they made him look not at all attractive. So that's my first opening salvo. So so. I was confused when this started because I thought it was a documentary and then I saw Matthew Modine in it and I was like, but it's a documentary. And then, (laughs) so they set it up like a documentary at the beginning. There's all sorts of footage of the actual activities and people Mm -hmm. getting arrested and all that sort of sensational stuff. And then the credits come up and then Matthew Modine's on the phone talking like he's acting out a scene. And for a split second there, I was confused. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Is this whole movie just like a reenactment of this? And it's a dramatization of the scandal? And I was a bit disappointed. But then they quickly came up with some on-screen graphics that said, uh, the the conversations in this movie are recreated exactly, blah, blah, blah. And so it, it set it up right away. But I was confused at the top. But I will say that... So we've watched a lot of documentaries in the last little while. We like documentaries. Uh, Documentaries are awesome because what's greater than true stories? And expanding your scope of knowledge. Right, right, exactly. And uh, we've watched a a lot of documentaries and the challenge for documentaries repeatedly is reenactments. You're you're trying to recreate events that there were no there's no footage for, nobody was there, etc. And I thought that this this was actually even though it could have been cheesy, and it could have verged on sensationalism and Hollywood taking the truth and blowing it up, and that's never happened. Um, I think it actually worked really well. Matthew Modine is a very talented actor. I've always liked him, dating back to the days of Birdie and all those great movies uh, of my <laughs> <Memphis> youth. Bell. <laughs> yes. All those great movies. Um, 
And uh, he did a great job as being like a reprehensible kind of bad dude in this, in the reenactments. And then this, the movie, the documentary is, uh, got these reenactments but there's there uh throughout the documentary are actual interviews with actual people who are involved with it so it could have been confusing but the way that they did it was actually very clear and very concise and very understandable so i got a lot out of it what what about you coco I actually agree with everything you just said. What? I know. that Make note, listener, please. <laughs> Mark this day on your calendar. It's St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> the luck of the Irish is with dolls today. <laughs> I think this is what's happened is that Coco is drunk on Guinness, <laughs> and that's what's happened here. When I first heard that, we knew it was a documentary, but then I heard that Matthew Modine was going to be playing Rick Singer, and I was like... I love Matthew Modine, but this is not going to be good. Mm-hmm. This is going to be brutal. Like how, like Dalt said, how can you have a documentary that's... And I'm not normally a huge fan of reenactments anyways. So how can you have a documentary that obviously has so many reenact- reenactments that they cast like an A-list guy? Right. You know, a guy with a recognizable name who's been in the industry for like 40 years. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, oh, this is going to be brutal. This is going to be so bad, but we're still going to watch it. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, most of the dialogue, like Dalt said, uh, was taken from Rick Singer's phone was wiretapped. Mm-hmm. So most of the dialogue was actual dialogue that Rick Singer actually spoke, mm-hmm. actual conversations that he had with people who were trying to cheat their kids into Harvard or whatever. Um and yeah, I thought Matthew Modine did a really good job of being like slippery and shady mm-hmm. and like a salesman. And, you know, he's such a good actor. Like, mm-hmm. he's great. And I also liked that there wasn't a narrator. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever it wasn't him doing the reenactments, like Dalt said, it was a journalist at the Times who was in Vegas covering March Madness. And he gets a call when the story breaks and is told, whatever you're doing, stop it and get to LA immediately because Mm -hmm. (laughs) this story is blowing up. And so you've got journalists, you've got like the Stanford sailing coach who got caught in this and he lost his job. And yeah, so it was it was really good. I thought it was very, very pretty comprehensive, actually, for being an hour and 40 minutes. Well, and I think there's two things that I took from this. One is that it, it confirmed the broken state of the American college institution right. and the fact that all you need is money to get in. You don't need to, you don't need merit. I mm-hmm. mean, you need merit to a certain extent, but at the end of the day, this just reinforced that bad idea that I have is that all you need is money in this country to succeed. And that's, right. that's a bad situation. I mean, for people like us, we need merit, but for people who have endless amounts of cash, well, you know, they can be, you know, drooling on themselves and they're going to get in. I think that uh, sort of what my point is that yeah. our, the merit that, <laughs> I would need to have to get in there to beat the money that they have is off the charts. Right. I would have to have impossible grades in order to get in there if I didn't have somebody paying money, according to this documentary and if this, you know, in this uh, existing situation. At least for elite institutions like yes. USC, Han- yes. uh, Stanford, Yale, Harvard, like Truman State University, somebody's probably not donating a $50 million building to Truman State University to get their kid in there. You well, know? I'm pretty sure I could probably get one of my daughters into Tunxis Community College, <laughs> right, which is right around the corner from where we live. And the the second point that I learned from this is that I, I sort of gleaned that Matthew Modine is probably not friends with Felicity Huffman right now, <laughs> or Lori Laughlin, or William H. Macy, or any of the other people who are connected to this scandal in Hollywood, which I thought is a very, as I'm watching this, is like, Matthew Modine's doing a really good job. It's like, oh, this is sort of a slag at Hollywood people. I wonder how that's going over at the Christmas parties. Well, Felicity Huffman, I think, 
played it exactly right from a PR standpoint. Like she came out immediately and was just like, this was the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. I did it because I wanted a better future for my children, but I accept that I should not have done this. Mm-hmm. I take full responsibility. Like she just came out and just threw herself under the proverbial bus. Yeah. And I think that's exactly right. Whereas Lori Laughlin denied, 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 you know, didn't know why what she did was wrong. She went to people a bajillion times and talked about how she's just a, you know, quiet church going lady who loves, you know, yoga. And, you know, she wants to be like you. Oh, well, except for the church part. Oh, yeah, right. right. And the quiet part. (laughs) (laughs) And I haven't taught yoga in a year. So strike three. But yes. So and then she ended up it dragged out for a year and a half before she finally got her sentence, and she was sentenced to like twice as long mm-hmm. as Felicity Huffman mm-hmm. was. So accountability is dead in some places of the United States, that's for sure. Exactly. So Felicity Huffman, you know, maybe she's not stoked that this came out, but I mean, she's probably just like, well, I'm going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life. And hey, it's a job, Matt. So <laughs> take the job. You well, know? <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know much about Felicity Huffman's career, but I know a lot about William H. Macy, who is her partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they're married or not. They are. Um, so I, I'm sort of disappointed in, in a roundabout way there too, because he's fantastic and he seems to have good judgment when it comes to Hollywood stuff. And he seems like a decent guy as much as I know that. So um, looking from outside in, you just kind of wonder, you know, what's going through these people's minds. And it's, it's that whole Hollywood slash privileged culture where they've been just getting away with stuff for so long that they just continue to think that they can be above the crowd. I mean, I've, I, I can imagine why you would want your kids to get, I want my kids to get into good schools too, but, and I'm not pulling the, the moral high horse here, but I want them to get in on their own. It's, it's just going to hurt them to get them into these schools if they don't have the good grades to get in them. Like, why would you force your kid to go to a school that they're not smart enough to get into or a program that they're not smart enough to get into? So it's just, it's just so weird. And it's, it's kind of, uh, it's disappointing in a lot of ways. So they also interviewed some people who work with high school juniors and seniors on college prep, like mm-hmm. help them study for tests yeah. and help them inter- you know, hone their interview skills if college interviews are still a thing that go on. And one of the guys they interviewed said, he came back to this repeatedly. He said, these people have, like, the deck is already stacked in their favor. Right. Like they have money, they have privilege, they have access, they have power. And yet they still mm-hmm. paid money, exorbitant amounts of money to cheat their children yep. into schools mm-hmm. because they didn't already have enough. Right. Like they had to they had to do that as well. So he came back to that point repeatedly. And that's a very eloquent uh, way of putting it more eloquent than I was trying to say it, but it's it's that frustrating part of it is that you've you've already got you're already in the 1%. Mm-hmm. So what what else do you want? How much more money do you need? How much more status do you need? How much more this do you need? How much more that do you need? It's just greed, greed, greed. And it was really uh, eye-opening again to see this. I knew the story as when it happened. Um, and it really surprised me. It really disappointed me. I mean, I, I didn't go to school in this country, so I don't have a good perspective on um, the pressure and, and the expectations and that sort of thing. But I do know that you, you gotta you got to have good foundations to be to be based around. So you're going to go into a school. Are you going to go into a school that's going to accept bribes to, 
to allow certain students in. I mean, it just, it's so dirty and it's so, I, I mean, maybe I'm being naive as this kind of thing happens all the time, I guess, but it just, it was so disappointing on so many levels. And this documentary presents it in a very clear, concise and understandable and heartbreaking kind of way. Well, I mean, yeah, sure. They accept bribes, but then also, I mean, you've got like football players and basketball players who don't even go to their classes, right. like kids take right. their other kids, take their test for them and stuff. So it's, it's not just, Hey, Olivia Jade Gianoli is mm-hmm. getting into USC because her parents, you know, bribed her way in there and pretended that she was on the crew team. You know, it's also football players and basketball players and all, yeah. the, all the elite athletes yeah, who and, can't get in there on their own. So, and that's sort of what I was mentioning earlier about it reinforces how broken the post-secondary educational system is in in a lot of ways. Not all schools, obviously, and not all states, and not all. Uh, uh, students, um, of course, but you've got these kids going into schools, these athletes who don't necessarily have the marks to get in there. And then you've got these other people that are paying to get in. And there's all these kids out there that deserve to get into schools, deserve the chance to learn and make Mm -hmm. their lives better and make the the lives of their families better. And they don't stand a chance because they're up against this system that is stacked against them. And it's just, it's really disappointing. And I, I, I don't want to hold up the Canadian educational system as this gold standard or anything like that. But (laughs) Yeah, you do. Well, okay. I think in this case I can because you can get a pretty good education. You don't have to bribe your way into McGill or U of T. Not saying that that doesn't happen. Maybe it does. But when the tuition, uh, you know, the top end tuition is ten dollars or $15,000 a year to get into the essentially the equivalent of Ivy League schools in Canada, then you're not getting this kind of funny business going on. They don't have pros, they don't have school uh, athletic scholarships in Canada. So you don't get those kinds of things where people are, you know, taking basket weaving 101 and <laughs> playing basketball for the team and then getting drafted by the NBA or whatever it happens to be. Um, you just don't have those situations. And again, there it's not a perfect system, obviously, up there, but it just to me, it's it's eye-opening to see the contrast. And you have smart people in Canada and you have smart people in the United States. So it's not like there's a difference in the intellect level or, or anything like that or the development or the educational system. So I just, uh, seeing these kinds of things happen is just really discouraging. Um, but back to the documentary. The documentary lays it out very clearly and very, very uh, succinctly. And uh, maybe that's why I'm so disappointed is because it was so well done. And it was, it was really an inside look that was done and uh, in an eye-opening kind of way. So then what grade would you give it? So I would give it out of 10, probably a seven. Oh, okay. I think it's pretty well done. It's it's not uh, a 10-part docu-series, right. which this did not need to be. No. Um, it was the right amount of content. Uh, the interviews were very well done. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the recreations with Matthew Modine were not cheesy. Right. They were, they were actually pretty good. And it and it was it would walk the line between a documentary and a and a docudrama docudrama. Thank you very much, a reenactment kind of thing. So, um, I, I I liked it. I would watch it again. Uh, I don't need to watch it again tomorrow, but I think right. like a year from now, it's like oh yeah, I like that one. I think that's a true testament for me is on these kinds of things. Is would I watch it again? And uh, would I glean some good stuff out of it? So a year from now, if we're watching this kind of documentary. It's like, has the system changed? You know, is it any better than it was a year ago when we talked about this? How about you, Coco? What would you give it out of uh, uh, 26 letters? <laughs> I'd give it like a B plus. Oh, wow. Yeah, I uh, I thought it was really good. It was, you know, the it, the pacing was really good. Mm-hmm. An hour and 40 minutes, I think, was, was just right. Uh, like you said, the reenactments were good. They weren't cheesy. Uh, they 
it really was a very fine line to walk between balancing the interviews with the real people and the reenactments. I thought they did a great job. I thought Matthew Modine was great. I, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I would totally watch it again. So. Recommend? Yeah, definite recommend. Recommend. There was one thing I was going to say, and I completely forgot about it, so sorry about that. Is that you would endorse going to Truman? <laughs> <laughs> I really hope like somebody who works at or went to Truman does not listen to this. And then they're just like, hey, <laughs> this podcast is slagging off Truman State University. No, I think what they should look at it is like, look at the quality uh, graduates that we have churned out because we have somebody who has got a world famous podcast. The co-host of Coco and Dolls. Right. <laughs> Downloads it, all across the world. They did actually talk about the U.S. News and World Report uh, college rankings list mm-hmm. and at least when I went there which was in the 90s uh, Truman was the number one small college in the Midwest um, for like the price or something like that oh, okay. so I thought you were going to keep going like no. that started with T and that was located yeah. in the northern part of the state and, and that changed its name in 1995 and, yeah. and it, had, it was named after a former president but not really and it was named after a former president who didn't actually go there but they wanted like all the money from the truman foundation so splitting that onion pretty fine yeah totally so that that could have been it but that was not it so so anything else to offer up on this well done documentary we've actually had a pretty good string of uh documentaries lately haven't we yeah definitely like hopefully netflix keeps those coming at us Mm -hmm. because i enjoyed them Mm -hmm. me too so no i can't think of anything else because i forgot what i was going to say well you'll i'm gonna i'm gonna remember it as soon as you hit stop recording you can <laughs> send it in a twitter note uh, or as a tweet as they call it or show notes that's true you should follow us on twitter and or facebook if you haven't already hit us up our handle is coco and adults imagine that we also have a facebook page of the same name i said twitter and or facebook oh you did yeah see, see? i wasn't paying attention i was looking at the uh, at the the sound meter oh i'm sorry yeah i was engineering at the same time oh uh, what happened to our engineer did he, did <laughs> we, he quit? We well he left when the coronavirus came along oh that's right yeah uh-huh. so so i've been doing it on my own ever since oh that sucks yeah no it's all good so uh for another episode of the podcast listener thanks for joining us i'm not coco and i'm not dogs